On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Dimitri, not much. It's uh, not nothing going on right now, really, in my world. No, it's a very dead time of year for you <laughs> as a uh, prospect analyst. And also joining us is is our other good pal, Cam Robinson. Cam, what's going on? Yeah, not too much. Just uh, gearing up for a couple big weeks here. Chris is just slacking hard, I guess. Ain't hey, nothing. To yeah. Do. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't care about the draft. <laughs> So we're, we're bringing the dream team back together by popular demand. Um, we did a mock draft for the 2020 class, which seems like another lifetime ago. Now I looked back at the date. It was like the first week of May, which was kind of like the start of the pandemic. And we didn't know <laughs> when the draft was going to happen. We were talking about like, we started off the show by discussing what we thought about an early June draft or something in case the league decided to go that route. So it's definitely uh, another lifetime ago, but we also went two hours and 15 minutes on that show somehow, which I don't even remember because I had so much fun with you guys. It felt like it, it just flew by, but uh, we're going to try to be more efficient with our time this go around, but still sort of hit all the main topics and kind of do what we did last time because it was so fun. So, um, before we jump into the actual selections, we're going to mock the the lottery or the top 15 picks, and we're going to kind of do a snake draft and, and go from there. I want to set it up with a brief discussion um, in terms of what we're looking for in our evaluations, the talent available in this class, the unique nature of, of this year's process in terms of um, you know how you're going about evaluating the players, uh, making sure you're getting all the viewings in, what you're prioritizing over the other in terms of league results, and you know you see Brand Clark putting up numbers in the in the Slovakian league and what the context is for that. So I'll, I'll open the floor for either of you here. You can take that in any direction you want. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious in terms of where you're at with, with this year's class and sort of everything that's gone into leading up to this moment. Yeah, I'll jump in first. Um, yeah, this has been a fun year for sure. So not only has it been, you know, a pandemic season where the OHL was postponed, 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 and finally canceled and leagues started and stopped and started and stopped and kids were bouncing all over the place around the globe trying to get ice. But it's also kind of a unique class in the sense that it doesn't have that top dog or top two or three. Um, it doesn't have a ton of depth. Uh, it's you're going to have to go mine for talent. And so uh, for us as, you know, independent scouts and for teams as well, it's that they're, they're going to have to be, you know, working hard to try to find these gems more so than normal. Um, so for me, it's, you know, get as many views as you can uh, for some of these players relying on draft minus one views is, is unique for me. I usually just have a few, you know, tertiary notes on these kids from their draft minus one, as I'm watching the draft eligible guys. And then I can look back and be like, Oh, look, he added some strength or whatever this year. I'm like, okay, I guess I got to go back and watch tape from early 2019 and, and see what's cooking. So uh, definitely a unique year. Definitely. 
maybe not the year to hang your hat on, on people in a definitive manner is because there's going to be so much fluctuation. Uh, we're going to see some development paths, be extra serpentine probably and guys coming out of this. And I've, I've said this before, I keep saying it out loud and hoping that it'll actually sink in for me is that I want to give some of these kids a bit of a break too, especially the ones that are moving overseas at 17 and, and trying to find their, their way that way is that, you know, we should probably be giving a little more grace. Um, I'm not sure if my personal list has reflected that even though I want it to, but, uh, but yeah, it's just a, just a funny year all around. Hey, Chris. Yeah, it is. And I, I you know, I'm really excited for the draft to happen so that I can move on. Um, you know, just you watch so much video on these guys. What is that? It's not, Chris, it's what not, is that? What is that attitude? Dude, we need, we need, we need I know. to, we need to I know I got to bring up the level. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I really, I, I mean, you know, you spend so much time on it and, and, you know, we're all looking at the same video clips. We're all looking at the same things over and over again. And, and, you know, trying to, to, to do everything we can. And, and, you know, the, the same themes keep popping up and it's just like, you know, I don't, I, I, there are a lot of guys where I think it's really difficult to read. I think this is a year where you're looking for players that there, there are a lot of flawed players, guys that have one, not necessarily a fatal flaw, but one significant enough flaw where it's like, man, I, I don't recall seeing this many. And is it, you know, in, in previous draft years, I don't think, you know, it, it's so interesting to me to, to hear from, from scouts who, you know, they're not, most of them really aren't concerned. Like it's not, it's not an amazing year, but it's just kind of like they've been through enough drafts where they've seen it, where it has, there have been leaner years, years that didn't look as good. And, um, and a lot of them, you know, didn't see guys live this year, which for a lot of scouts was, was really challenging and, and frustrating. And some of them didn't necessarily know how to evaluate off a of video, which is kind of interesting to think because most of us that have to do it on the public sphere, do often have to rely on a lot of video because we don't have the travel budget or the ways to get to the the rinks as much. And I, and I, I'll say after watching more video this year, I've, I've, I mean, I miss the live viewings a lot and, and I've always done video. I mean, I've always had video as part of my whole thing. And this year, just trying to, you know, I did get some live views and I was lucky enough to be at the under 18 worlds and, and a few USHL games and college hockey games and things like that. But there wasn't, uh, you know, you weren't getting the, the full complement of the class. And so I, I, I just feel like some of the, the weaknesses that we see in these players, I think show up a bit more on video than necessarily when they when they do live, I think it's a lot more difficult to evaluate skating off of video. Um, you know, there are other things that, that just aren't as, as, as easy to do. And as, as cam noted, and as you said, you know, these guys are going, we, we don't have a lot of context for what, certain things mean like how much does production in the Swedish third division really mean in the grand scheme of things, how much, you know, what, what would that have looked like if the player had played in his regular league in the OHL or if he was in the, the WHL or anything else like that. So um, the good news is, is that there was a significant enough season, like in the USHL where I think there's actually a good amount of prospects that, you know, you can, that, that, that I'm sure increase their value. But I mean, overall, I think that there's a lot of things that, you know, as you look th through this class, you kind of get a little frustrated with some of the things, but at the same time, there's value to be had. And I think the teams that, that have really done their homework um, and, and certainly those of us that, that are trying our best to, to mimic what they do, um, you know, there's, there's certainly going to be some players there that, that really jump out that maybe even, you know, even us on this side or them, them on the scouting side, never really anticipated seeing them uh, pop off like they, like they have. 
Well, we've been hearing for a while about um, you know how this is a, a relatively weak class, even even when you throw the the context out the window, even in a regular year, you look at the talent and you say, okay, you know, you're you're not getting a a McDavid or a Matthews level talent at the top of the draft, but also even when we go further down towards the, the still in the top ten, it's not necessarily as flush with talent as it, as it might have been in the past. And I think we saw teams operate under that kind of commonly held belief at the trade deadline, for example, where you were just seeing first rounders move for players who probably in a regular year wouldn't have fetched the first just because they felt like, all right, we can probably get a first round talent, maybe with our second round pick or a third round pick, because there's so much variance this year. And it feels like opinions could be all over the place. And, and, and that's kind of where I stand with this, where I guess part of what makes it a bad draft for me is that at the top, it's slightly less predictable or there might not be that talent that puts it over the top. But I I, I still firmly believe that we're going to look back at this draft and there's going to be a regular amount of really good players. We just might not necessarily know where they are. And I know that's not uh, very satisfying for someone tuning into this podcast right now to hear because they're coming, <laughs> hoping that we're going to tell them who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Um, when we can make educated guesses based off of viewings and looking at the numbers and everything and putting it all together. But do you, do you guys both kind of agree with that perspective of uh, it's not necessarily a bad draft in the sense that there's going to be no good players. It's just, it's going to be tougher to sort of pinpoint who they're actually going to be. Yeah, without a doubt. I I said that I've in my rankings too, is that, you know, is there, is there going to be good players out of this draft? Absolutely. Is there going to be some stars? Yeah, probably. Is there going to be a superstar even? There might be, probably, he just yeah. might not be at the beginning of the draft, right? Like it's, it's going to take some work and, and it's always hilarious after, after every draft and the, and the GMs or the head scouts are up there and they're like, we can't believe he was sitting there. We got our guy in the third round, you know, it's going to be even more so this year. Like it'll be demonstrative because teams are going to have players on their do not draft list that other guys are going to have in the thirties. Like it's, it's going to be wild too. So the teams that were able to adapt and, and move on to the online into the video scouting efficiently and quickly and not have that pushback from their guys and have, you know, regional scouts in the OHL doing crossover work and, and scouting that Swedish third division and trying to figure out how to, how to handle the tech and stuff like that. The clubs that were already well positioned to do so will probably have an upper hand in that regard too. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And I, I just think that this this is a, a learning experience here for for us, for teams, for everybody, really just in 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 everything. I think we're gonna have a better understanding of how to evaluate players at various levels coming out of this this weird season. And and especially, you know, when you're when we're doing video, I mean Cam knows this as well as anybody, you're dealing with the, the angles, the, the, Oh God, some of this footage is, is, looks like it's from like 2003. Like watching, watching yeah. the, like the Mason McTavish footage from the Swiss division. It's just like, Oh yeah. man, not some, some are fine, but there are other rinks where it's just like, okay, well, that wasn't, that wasn't amazing. Um, but yeah, but some of them, yeah, I mean, even, even, uh, I think it's gotten a lot better at the USHL level. It's gotten a lot better in the WHL as well. There's just a lot of, of, of better video out there, thankfully now, cause it was way harder to do even five years ago. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it, it, this year is going to be a learning experience. And, you know, I think, I think most teams probably deserve, a, um, at least a modicum of, of leeway in this, in this year, because I know that I'm hoping that people will give me some leeway in, in this weird year. Uh, but, uh, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, especially, especially on the team level, you have to adjust. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not buying any of those excuses on the team level. I'm giving you a pass, Chris. Thank uh, you. I, I think, thank I, you. I, I don't have those resources. I'm going to give you some leeway, but I mean, 
I was going to make a joke there about how, uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but, but Cam certainly didn't struggle with any of the Mason McTavish video footage. He, 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 uh, he seemed to be seeing all the right angles. I guess so. Yeah. You know it boys. I watched every shift of his this year. I'm a big, big fan. Um, okay. So, so on, on that note, then, um, Cam, I'll, let's keep going with you here. When, when you turn on tape, when you're watching, uh, one of these players and you're really just kind of fully diving in and you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bang out a couple games worth of, of information here on them. What are you looking for in particular? And I'm especially curious about, um, you know, the process obviously for you as a, as a scout and as an evaluator, but also, um, the development you've undergone yourself over the past couple of years, having done this more and more in terms of either learning from swings and misses in the past, or, um, you know, trying to keep up with the way that, you know, when you're projecting how this player is going to look like in the NHL, the NHL product itself has been changing so much that you're probably looking for different stuff now than you might've been five years ago. And, and, and also, um, you know, it, it just might be your own tastes in terms of you're watching something and you're finding yourself gravitating towards particular skills. So whether it's like actual, um, you know, specific attributes or traits you can point to or, or sort of player types. I'm, I'm really curious for both your guys' takes about kind of what you're looking for on the tape. Yeah. So for me, um, it has changed over the last five, six, seven years for what exactly I'm, how I'm, how I'm looking at a player, how I'm checking for his translatable skills. But you know, when it, when it comes down to it, it boils down to, you know, whatever you want to call it, hockey IQ, awareness, processing speed is the ability for a player to recognize a situation quicker than everybody else around him, um, especially at the junior level, or be able to elevate up and think at the same level as a pro, you know, as a 17 year old playing in the SHL or the league or something like that. So if you can process quickly, you can, you can mask some of your deficiencies too, when you're 17 or 18 and you maybe aren't physically mature yet, you don't have that core and lower body strength to explode. Like some of these 30 year old men you're playing against, or some of these 20 year old kids in the OHL, um, is that you can get to pucks quicker because you can see what's going to happen. You can change gears and shift and create a little bit of extra space to create a lane for your teammates. So you can distribute through a fold, um, you know, I, I've said this before too, is that, you know, you can look at a player's stat line and be like, oh man, he scored 40 goals in 60 games this year. Maybe only 10 of them were NHL goals. You know, someone else might've scored 22, but 15 of them were NHL goals. And so looking for those stackable, translatable skills, how is he scoring? How is he skating? How is he disrupting play? Um, so, so hockey IQ, the awareness, and then speed and skating ability. So, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, perfect right now. We're lightning quick right now, but it has to have the ability to improve. And so there's some, there's some things when you're looking at a skating posture, um, or at their stride length and their recovery is that these are easily correctable skills with added lower body strength and added core strength and some practice on it. Uh, these are going to be a little bit more challenging for a player to improve on, especially if they're not, if they're not a player who plays with a ton of pace, who doesn't work all that hard defensively. Those are kind of red flags for me that maybe this guy isn't isn't going to be someone who's going to really break down their deficiencies and try to improve on them off the ice. Maybe they will. And that is one of my limitations is being a, a basically a pure video scout. Right. I will hopefully get to some more games here when, when the world wakes up fully. Um, but you know, I don't get a chance to sit down and talk to all these players and really kind of derive into the minutiae of their, their psyche and, and what really drives them. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm constantly looking to, to improve myself. I'm, I'm picking the brain of every smart person I can get a hold of and, and trying to steal all the information that they have. And, you know, looking at, at, other public lists and, and being like, you know, if, if a whole bunch of other lists have a player way different than I'm seeing them, you know, I can go back and question myself and go back and look and say, you know, what am I missing or what are they missing? You know, maybe I am right in this situation, but it's always self-reflecting. It's, uh, you know, assessing talent and building a list 
two different jobs, two completely different jobs. And I am very much still in my infancy for list building. I would like to say, even though I've been putting these together for since 2013, um, it's, it's difficult, especially once you get out of the top 10 or 12, right. it's really hard to, to lock in on a player and be like, you know, this guy's better than this guy for this reason. Um, what's going to be more beneficial in the NHL level. Is it going to be, you know, a third line center? Is it going to be a kind of tweener top six winger? Um, those type of things that, especially when you get on the team side, it's, it becomes, you know, for a billion dollar franchise or something like that, the, the stakes are super high for me. It's just a, a couple of tweets and articles. So, but always working hard <laughs> to try to better myself. Chris, where are you at with it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a constant of, of evolve, you know, evolving process. I, you know, used to do a lot on video Then I was, when I was at ESPN, I was doing a lot more live, but still doing video. And, you know, it's just been, I think that, you know, I became a much, because of the base that I had on video, I became a much better live scout, uh, just, you know, where, and I, I usually don't refer to myself as a scout, but it's just, that's the process of what you're doing. But, you know, like that's, that's, uh, I do feel more strong, pretty strongly about the live views at this point versus the other, you know, going the other way. Um, I still think there's so much that can be gained off of video and that you can absolutely do the job on video and everything. But, you know, this year it was almost exclusively on video for me as well. So that was just getting back into that rhythm of, of trying to spot things, um, you know, being able to go back. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the things that Cam said are, are really the same things that I still go through, you know, now. And, I've been doing it for about 10 years. I've probably only been building lists though, since about as long as you have cam, um, you know, where I'm actually going through and building lists. I was more just doing player evals and not really, not really building lists. Cause it was never really part of my assignment or whatever. And then I, I started doing that when I was at CBS. I, I think that first that 2013 may have been the first draft that I did um, uh, with a full list. So yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the list building element is really the the thing that continues to be a work in progress. I obviously talk to a lot of scouts. I try to be, I try to talk to them later in the process too, when I've, when I've formed some of my own opinions and I try to stay strong on those opinions, unless there's something that I catch that I definitely missed about a player. And some of these guys that have 15, 20 years of experience in the business, they see things at a, at a different level than I do. And so I always do pick up things from that. The thing that I definitely missed this year was that player interaction. When I was at ESPN, I was getting pretty good access in terms of being with, you know, able to talk to pretty much whoever I wanted to going to events and being able to do like scrums and other things like that, where I was able to uh, get their, uh, you know, get, get, kind of get in their heads a little bit. Um, you know, I, I used to go to the combine every year and I would have an opportunity to talk to just so many different players. And then, you know, you get a lot of the same canned answers, but the ones that I get more thoughtful answers for, those are the ones that I really like. Um, you know, one thing that I used to do a lot is I used to talk to their individual coaches, um, as much as I could. And I started to find that I wasn't getting enough value out of those conversations. Um, uh, just because I think that, you know, usually when you talk to people that have a vested interest in the player success, um, I don't think that like they don't talk to me the way that they talk to scouts because they know that what they're going to say is going to be public, whereas they can be a little more honest with scouts. So sometimes I'll ask scouts what the coaches said to them. Um, and sometimes I'll also ask opposing coaches what they think about a player, how they prepare for a guy. Those were different things that I folded into coverage when I was able to do it live. But I think this year it's just much more been watching a lot of games getting as many views as you possibly can be taking advantage of the time that we have and the tools that we have. I mean, having things like Instat and being able to watch shift by shift videos and being able to watch things when they're broken down 
um, you know, to, to the various things, being able to watch up players, every single shot where they're shooting from, how they're, how they're getting it off, how many times they get it through, um, you know, and then also watching full games as well, because you, I think the, the context of games remains important um, in, in evaluating players and how they're utilized and things like that. But um, it's a constant evolving process, but uh, you know, the same things that Cam said, I have hockey sense is a huge thing. That's why I called my site hockey sense. It's the first thing I look at in a player, but how do you, how do you, um, how do you not quantify, but what, what do you, what are sort of performance indicators that tell you that a player has good hockey sense? Is it like positioning? You just see they're constantly in the right place. The right there's time? a lot. I mean, it's obviously it's a catch all term, right? But there are a right. lot of different things. Some of the things that, that cam said are really important. The processing speed, are they able to make decisions at the pace of the game or, or ahead of the pace of the game? Are they able to, um, you know, spot lanes? I think, you know, like Cole Caulfield is an, is an example of a guy who has unbelievable timing, unbelievable spatial awareness, knowing how to get to areas and how to, you know, evade defenders. He he's, he's got hockey sense away from the puck and with the puck. And then he's got the the physical skills to finish those plays off. The other thing that, that I think really, you know, when I started, I used to have hand skills way higher on my list and it's important. You have to have skill. There's no question about it, but you have to be able to finish plays. So how many passes are they completing? How many good decisions are they making? Are they dumping the puck when they should, or are they just doing it because that's what they're, what they're told? Those are the types of things you have to try to sort through, um, you know, shooting lanes are, how do they open up space? Do they take advantage when there is more time? Those are the types of things that you see. And, 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 for a lot of these guys, the hockey sense is going to be the thing that actually improves over the time more as they gain more experience and they understand the game at a different level. So it, it that is one of the things that can improve over time, but it's so important that they have it now at the level that they're at so that as they progress, it will progress with them. Right. The game will only get faster. So if they're already right. behind it right. right now, it's not encouraging. Correct. Um, all right. Well, let, let's jump into it then. Let's, let, let's get into the draft. Um, and we're going to, uh, make it very conversational. So whoever makes the pick, we'll just open up the floor and we can uh, discuss whether we agree with it or not. I think it's much more interesting for, for the purposes of this exercise to do who uh, we think should go in certain slots, as opposed to trying to project who we think the teams will take because whatever, who cares they're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. It's more interesting in terms of just how we think about the players. And, and also I'm going to ask you guys, um, I usually hate player comps because they're generally lazy. It's like, oh, this guy's Swedish and he reminds me of this other Swedish guy who also played in the league 10 years ago. And and, and that stuff is pointless. But uh, I think there is value for the listeners in terms of trying to visualize kind of what type of game we're talking about, trying to familiarize themselves with these players leading up to the draft. So if there's a, you know, especially if it's like a particular skill that you think reminds you of someone who's had success in the league, uh, we can we can do that as well. So we're going to do a snake draft. Chris, you're picking for the Buffalo Sabres here on the clock first at, at first overall. Wow, man. Um, do you want to trade well, down? You, you need a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I will. I will not trade down. I will go ahead. And, you know, he's been number one for me the whole way. Um, I'm seeing progression in his game. Owen power, big defenseman from the university of Michigan. Um, even though, Rasmus Dahlin is there and I still have full faith in Rasmus Dahlin to continue to progress, maybe not reach the the level that we all expected, but to, to reach a level that is acceptable for NHL, uh, you know, a top four NHL defenseman. Um, I think you, you can have a great foundation of your blue line. With, if you have Owen power, the things I like about him, you know, very smart player. Um, he, he's, he's smooth. He's poised. 
um, has that great size, but you know, he's a good skater. He's a good passer. Um, does a lot of things well, did not have a great statistical profile this year at Michigan, but I did feel that he got better from the beginning of the season to the end. Um, and if we're talking about comps, I would say, you know, I know that a lot of people have said Victor Hedman because of the size profile. I think he's a little closer to Seth Jones for me um, in terms of just the smoothness, the poise, um, the confidence, and not necessarily a, a burning skater, but I think he's got really improved his defensive game as well. Um, so I, I think Seth Jones is probably a little bit more of a direct comp uh, than Victor Hedman, though, you know, there's there are similarities there, too, just not quite as offensive. Are, are you saying more Seth Jones back when he was actually good at hockey or, or, mm-hmm. or present day Seth Jones? I think Seth Jones is still good at hockey. I think. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. I know the numbers say otherwise, but I uh, disagree. All right, Cam, uh, I know you're going to disagree with this, but I also disagree with it. I think I, I have power fifth on my list. Uh, yeah, I but, think you guys are nuts, but that's okay. He, well, here's sorry. Uh, no, go I, for it. Go for it, Ken. Here's the thing about Owen Power is that I really like him too, uh, and I've had <laughs> him one on my board for like weeks at a time without publishing, and and I I like him. I like him a lot. I, it, like Chris said, I think he got better as the season wore on. You know, he did that with Chicago two years ago too, right? He started mm-hmm. out, yeah. and he was great by the end of the season. He started out Michigan, you know, there were some, there were some issues and he just progressed. And by the end of it, I thought he was very good as a freshman. He went to the world championships. He was a little overwhelmed by the level of play. He got a lot better by the end of that tournament, just like a microcosm of the player he is. So I do, I do have some, some reservations about where I put him on my board at number four is that I think that that could come back to bite me a little bit. He could very well be the best player of this group. I think he has the highest floor in the in the whole crop and so yeah, him fair. him going number one to buffalo i think that's that's fine it, they're gonna get a minute muncher if that's who they land on someone who's gonna be a really great stopper he, he you know uh, opposing teams are gonna try to game plan to not go down his side when they're trying to enter the zone um if he can add some more snarl i don't think the offense is going to really translate to get that victor headman comparable or a john carlson or anything or you know maybe seth jones that's that's not a bad one a really uh, you know big guy who's smooth skater i've seen you know colton pareko a little bit in him too where you know maybe he's more of a 30 point guy especially if Darlene's playing on that top power play unit chewing up all the fun minutes is that's obviously going to limit his upside and that's okay he's going to be a good player um, I don't think he has the highest star potential. I don't think he has the highest offensive potential. But like I said, I think he's going to be a very good NHLer. He's who I expect to go number one. And I'm not really going to fault them for doing it. Um, I think at this, especially in this draft, is that there's value in safety. And, and he is an extremely safe pick at the top. Yeah, I was going to say Victor Hedman has uh, elite offensive instincts right. and, and tools. I, 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 I'm going to defer to you guys. Cause you've obviously had many more viewings them than I have from, from what I've seen. Um, it's very obviously vi- visibly apparent, like the physical tools that people, uh, fawn over and why he's like so projectable to be an NHLer. I just find that for each of those tools, there's a question for me about his ability to utilize it effectively. So like he has great, uh, great reach, right? Because, because he's so big, <laughs> but then you see him get burned sometimes in terms of outside speed where someone makes a quick cut. Like it, it seems like that gap control is only really good when this guy is coming directly at him. He's very mobile for his size, but it's a lot of North South in my opinion, and not as much sort of agility in the offensive zone in terms of creating in, in tight spaces. Um, I know he had him at like really low 
turnover rate, but it looked like he was making a lot of very conservative, safe passes. It wasn't like he wasn't really pushing the envelope offensively. So I don't know, like, do you think that's fair in terms of those concerns about um, the upside in terms of actually getting the most out of all those physical tools? It's obviously so tough to say about an 18 year old who's still so raw, but um, I, I think he needs to go to the right environment in terms of developing him so that he actually makes the most out of all of, the, of that reach and that size and that skating for that size. Yeah. I, I think at the beginning of the season, it was, it was not good. Like it was really poor. I, I was concerned about his defensive footwork at the beginning of the season. Um, and I thought that the pace was starting to eat him up a little bit, but as I saw him more through the end of the season and even into the world championships, when the pace picked up, I felt like he was doing all of those things better. I thought that he was defending well, you know, keeping guys outside, pinching off plays, angling guys to the boards better. Um, I did feel like he was killing those plays with a little bit more effectiveness. I agree that, you know, he makes a lot of conservative decisions with the puck, but I also think that he has a real good sense of when to jump into plays and when they, when they need him to get moving up. I think that that improved over the, uh, over the year. I mean, this is also a guy that had, you know, really good production in his last season, in the USHL. I fully expect if he does go back to Michigan next year to be in that 20 to 30 point range, just because of the experience that he has, where he started and the fact that he's going to have so many weapons to get pucks to it's, you know, that that's one of the things is when you play with a team like Michigan, the best thing you can do as a defenseman is get the puck into the hands of a Kent Johnson or a Matty Veneers or, you know, all, the, all those things. And I think he did that especially effectively this year. So, but I, I definitely see the concerns, I think over the course of the season and especially in the defensive zone, I thought his positioning got better. I thought his awareness got better. His urgency defensively got better. Um, so I see him as a guy that has the intelligence and the awareness that he needs to improve in those areas. Cause if, if he didn't, I don't think that we would have seen the progression that we did over the course of the season. Cam, do you think he's going to be able to go back and retrieve pucks and handle, uh, handle opposing four checks effectively? I do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's, he's an excellent skater. He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's mm -hmm. because he's so big, it doesn't always look like he's, he's, you know, he's skating all that hard, but it, it's a long and powerful and fluid stride. He's not going to be shimmy and shaking like Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. McCarr. Um, he won't be that elusive type, but he's going to be able to get back in a hurry. He's big enough to withstand the pressure and the physicality. If he does, you know, if someone's right on his hip pocket like that and protect the puck and, and make those, those quick, smart outlets, I, I think that he won't have a problem making quick, smart outlet plays. Like maybe he's not going to make the more creative, hold onto the puck and make a high danger pass. Um, but that's okay. You know, he doesn't need to do that. It would be awesome if he could. Um, but at the next level, he's going to be a very, very efficient. I think he's got top pairing upside. I think he's an extremely safe second pair type of guy. Who's, who's going to play on your second power play and, and play on your first penalty kill. And then, like I said, I think there's a ton of value in the safety that he provides. And, you know, I've, I, I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've kind of doubted him a little bit for that offensive upside, but the way that he has shown improvements year over year in the year in the short, you know, tournaments um, is that there's a chance that he could find, you know, another level offensively too is, is I don't think that we can discount that completely. I think at this point, playing your freshman, your uh, draft eligible season as a freshman in college doesn't really offer you a ton of opportunities to go out there and be overly creative. You, you That's not supposed to be your job, especially as a def defender. So, um, you know, if he goes back to Michigan next year, which I think he should, and I, and I hope he does, that maybe he's going to have an opportunity to kind of showcase that, that added element of offensive upside. And if he goes back and he puts up a point a game, you know, then, then we're talking and then, then there's something to build on there, but you know, that's, that's still yet to be seen. Yeah, you got you can't uh Chris, you mentioned uh Rasmus Delian's there. I wonder if he can beat out Rasmus Stalinen. 
who <laughs> hopefully will not still okay, be let's, let's um, I, <laughs> man, I got nothing for that one no, you so. guys uh you got no you guys you guys comforted me there I, I i was a bit more worried um but it sounds like the skills are much more projectable than i was giving them credit for so maybe uh maybe i should bump them up my list um all right cam you're on the clock here for the kraken at, at second overall okay so they they need a lot this team is, yeah. it, it, it needs, they need, I think they need everything. Cam. They got some holes. <laughs> hey, they got some holes. Um, so I like that we're doing this on how I would pick too. Right. Cause I have absolutely no indication of what Seattle is going to do. Right. We, I got no fingers in their pies. So, um, you know, for me personally, I, I think they would have loved to have taken power if he was sitting there to have someone to chew up the, the minutes for them. Um, I think that, you know, when you're building a team, you're looking at, you know, building down the middle, building on the blue line, getting yourself a strong goaltender, getting all those pieces. And so, you know, I'm not going to get all crazy and go, yes, for Volstad here, but I am going to go a little bit crazy and I'm going to go Brant Clark. And so right side D men, there's only one of them in this crop that's got any real value. Um, they are hard to obtain. Uh, and when you get a good one, you hold on to it for dear life too. So, you know, he's not probably going to chew up the minutes that power is, he, he might end up, but, but he's going to be a different type of player. So six foot two, he's playing at 190 pounds right now. Um, he's with a growth spurt this year as a draft eligible kid. So, you know, going over and, and playing pro hockey, he was really good. And we talked about power improving throughout the season. So did Brant Clark. And I think when he first showed up there, is that his teammates were used to their defenders not getting them the puck quickly and efficiently. Um, and I had a chance to actually sit down and chat with him a, a couple of times this year. And he's, he's a really good kid. Um, but, you know, he, he said it took some time for them to trust him that, you know, go and I will get you the puck, whether it's with my feet and we'll move up together or I'm going to hit you with a long bomb. And once they started to believe in that, um, you know, the points started to flow for him as well because he was getting those primary assists, those secondary helpers um, running the top power play unit in a pro league too. So, I was very, very impressed with his, with his season. I like him a lot. I also value him as the smartest player in the entire crop. Um, I think that the way that he can read plays, the way that he can manipulate his body, he uses kind of every inch of skill that he has in the right situation to get the most out of a play. And so he's not the most technically sound skater. He does have that where his knees collapse in a little bit, especially on the back pedal. And I do have some concerns about, you know, Connor McDavid coming down on the wing on him. He's going to get turnstiled a couple of times, unless he improves that um, those puck retrievals, you know, he's going to have to be able to get back quicker and make those plays. Um, but I, I think that he's going to have the, he has the wherewithal. He has the effort level. He's a, he's a very intelligent kid. I think that he's, he recognizes that that's his, his, you know, limitation at this time. And that's what he really needs to work on. But defensively, you know, he's got a great stick in the defensive end. He doesn't need to be overly physical, even though he has good size, but really great mind for when to lean in. When he does take the body, he's taking the stick first. Um, great outlets, loves to jump into the rush as that fourth guy high um, or, you know, lead it himself. I think I think there's another one here that's got top pairing upside. If he can clean up that skating, you know, he could be someone who could play, you know, first power play minutes for you as well and, and have those gaudy point totals that you want from a player that you're taking this high up the board. So he ended up being number one on my board just because I couldn't shake the feeling that, you know, this kid has the highest upside on the right side on the blue line, which is, you know, it's becoming almost unicorn. Like these days, it's so difficult to get those guys. Um, I love them. I love them as a kid. I love them as a player. And I think the Kraken, uh, you know, they could do a lot worse than him. I love the, uh, in your interview, he mentioned that he sort of wants to model his game after John Klingberg. And I thought that was, that was very encouraging to hear as a fat long time of supporter of Klingberg's game, especially the <laughs> offensive creativity and then the decision-making with the puck. Um, yeah, I guess you, you kind of answered my, I, 
I think he's the most projectable uh, defenseman for for today's game in terms of his skill set. I I am a bit worried about when I hear that you know the skating's fine, but especially like the the agility or the explosiveness uh, in terms of dealing with defending off the rush. No one's really going to effectively, other than maybe like Jacob Slavin occasionally, be able to defend McDavid off the rush. So that's like obviously an extreme example. But but you do need to, especially if you're going to be a top pair guy, be able to at least not be a complete liability when when speed is coming your way. Chris, how do you uh, how do you feel about that pick, and what do you think about Brand Clark? Um, I think that like the I have no problem with um, with Cam's analysis. I think that all the offensive elements of the game there is is absolutely true. I think that where, where it gets murky for me is when it's that, if he can clean up the skating stride, I, I think he's a bad skater front North South. I don't think he is a, I don't think that I shouldn't say a bad skater. He's below average for me. Um, and especially backwards. I mean, defensive footwork, uh, if he's not, you know, if you're coming in on him on the rush, I really, I have concerns about his ability to get in front of anybody. Um, saw it happen multiple times at the world under 18s when he was playing against his own, own age group. Um, you know, I, I, and I, so, yeah, so bad is too harsh a word. I don't want to say it that way because the other things that he does well, he he's got some good, some good edge work. He changes direction pretty well, you know, and has some elusiveness in his skating, which is really good. But, but I also, you know, watching him at the world under 18s and seeing being a, having the chance to see it live. It was, it was more apparent to me than it was even on video um, that, you know, that his, he, he can still play the game fast because he thinks the game at such a, 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 a high level. I think the hockey sense is outstanding, but I, I don't see how he could be on your top pairing. If he skates that way at the NHL level, I just, I don't know many other defensemen that move that way that will, you know, I, I think, I think he does have the smarts. I think he can be a top four guy for sure. Um, just with that offensive ability, I think he's going to be great on the power play. Um, and he, and yeah, but I mean, I have real concern about that and, you know, he's still a top 10 pick for me, you know, in this draft and with, with, because there are so many guys that have skating as a deficiency. I just think that if you're going to be a a relied upon defenseman in this game today, it is really difficult to do it without that quickness, North South speed and explosiveness. Okay. Um, let's take a quick break here and we're going to jump back into the conversation. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Champions aren't born. They're made. And the secret to make your business reign supreme? Shopify the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. 
Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. All right. I, lo- I love, uh, we're getting some good debate here in the first two picks already <laughs> right out of the gate. Uh, this is going to be a long show at this rate, but Cam, this is your chance for your rebuttal on Clark. Yeah, Chris and I, we go way back on on doing these things too. Remember a few years yeah. ago, we did that draft debaters pod too. Yeah, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. We were really battling on someone, but um, okay. So I think it was Alex Vlasic, and I think you were right. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll take the so win. I'll, I'll, I'll go give for you it the here w. too. Uh, I mean, it's but, early yet, but no, still. no, it's too late. You gave it to me. Um, okay, <laughs> so really quickly, I, I agree with what Chris says about north south skating and with being you know backwards and turning and and you know, defending speed along the outside and, and those puck retrievals. Um, and when I said that, I, you know, I, I do expect him to improve his skating. And so I actually sat down and chatted with two different skills coaches um, about the issues that he has. And, you know, both of them said that, that it's fairly easily corrected with added leg strength, with adding that core and leg strength is that he's collapsing in is that you, he needs to, he needs to obviously work on the form and that takes, you know, added strength to keep those legs nice and straight and keep that, add that footwork. And so, you know, I talked to him about it too. And like, that's, that's going to be his life is going to be working on his footwork and, and working on that skating posture too. So I am putting some faith in him, um, finding those gears, but you know, I, I did that because, um, I was questioning it too, right. I was like, you know, I like, I love the way he can open up and do a Mohawk. He can be elusive. He can be shifty. And that's what I mean by he uses kind of every skill that he has to, put the best foot forward in a play, even if it's, if he's limited in that regard with the skating. Um, and so I, that's why I reached out to, you know, a, a former one who worked with the team and who's now not. And then one who is currently working with a team right now. And, uh, and they both said, you know, like, this is something that we could, we could correct, you know, give me, give me a couple, you know, an off season with this kid and then put him on a program and we can get that sorted out pretty quickly. So um, I am hinging that upside on that. And if he can do it, which, you know, I say with playing defense, is it, are you smart and can you work hard? You could probably play defense. Um, do you want to improve your skating? Are you smart? Can you work hard? You can probably add some stuff to your skating as well too. So I think he has those, those two elements in spades and, and that I am taking a bit of a risk. I said that I'm taking a risk putting power at four on my list. I'm taking a bit of a risk by putting Brant Clark at one on my list and picking him here at two. And, and you know, it's why not, right? Have a little fun with this and take some risks. I like it. Um, all right. I'm picking third here for the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, I would just like to say that, I got the third and fourth picks here coming up and uh, my one and two on my board pretty comfortably are still available to me. So I'm going to run to the podium here and uh, I'm going to take Maddie Beneers. And I just, 
you know, you're talking earlier, Chris, about how, or I guess Cammy, you might've mentioned it about how like Owen Powers is very safe in terms of like, he's going to be a good NHL defenseman. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about him playing in the KHL four years from now. I, I just, I don't see a path for Beneers to not be an impact NHL player, at least at some capacity, you just from the motor, the pace he plays at his involvement in the play, uh, the puck pressure he puts on wherever it is pretty much all over the ice, the retrievals, uh, the, you know, the defensive instincts. I, the knock I've seen on him is that he doesn't necessarily have, you know, elite scoring ability or, or questions about whether he can score to the level to be a legitimate top line player. And I think with the complementary skill sets he has, you know, it's not necessarily ideal if you're taking a guy first overall to be like, okay, he can be a great supporting player here, but most teams generally have already some really good players and really good talent on their rosters to work with. And I think Baneers is going to be very successful, especially put him with a, with a, with a good offensive player, just helping get them the puck. And I think his own playmaking ability is quite underrated by some of the reports that I've seen, at least from, from watching his tape. So I, I don't know. I, where, how do you guys feel about Beniers in terms of what his actual ceiling is here and kind of everything I just said about him? Yeah, I, I love him. I mean, he's number two on my board. And I think that to have the level of detail that he has, his puck retrievals, his puck puck pursuit, just, I mean, just incredible in those regards. I think his, his speed really challenges defenders. Um, he's got good footwork down low. He fights for pucks. The, the, just the battle level is huge. Um, you know, I think that his offensive game is, is fine. It's just that he's often given really difficult assignments and has to play against tough, you know, tough, uh, opposing teams, top lines. You know, they let Thomas Bordalo and Kent Johnson kind of handle the, the, you know, try and get the offense going. And they really focused on veneers being the guy at Michigan, uh, to, to go up against top lines. And he still managed to be a point per game player in that regard. And, um, you know, I think what we saw at the world championship was that there's still some things that he's going to need to work on and just in, you know, to get to the, to the pro level, um, didn't quite, uh, always meet up to the pace and the, the decisions weren't as, as crisp as they were at the college level, man. I, I think that he has all of the tools to be a leader on a team, a top, you know, top two for top two center, a guy that does pretty much everything you need uh, still to win. And, you know, just has, has, a, has enough offensive upside to really make, make a difference uh, as a, as a guy at, at that end of the ice as well. So I think the fact that he's probably for me, the most complete of the forwards. Um, and, and I think that that really is what separates him from the pack for me. Well, I don't, I don't really see a path where he won't be an excellent NHL player, but I think if anything, he profiles for me as a type of player, that's really going to benefit from uh everything that goes into playing in the NHL, which is he's going to get a lot stronger. And I think that's going to help his game a lot in terms of making his defensive impact even better based on all the tools we've already talked about, but also just like I alluded to just playing with more talented players. I think it's going to, he's going to be one of those like connective players where he just makes everything happen for those around him. And I think that's an incredibly valuable player to have for any NHL team. And uh, I can't really, I wish I could debate some more of this, but no, I, I agree with everything. Basically what we're saying, I, I don't think he's a top line forward on a good team anyways, or center on a good team. And, and that's okay. If, if he's on a good team, then he's going to be a hell of a second line center for them. And like, like you guys said, he's going to be able to play on both special teams. He drives play has great speed. You know, I, I've grabbed a clip of him early on in the year where he rags the puck on the PK for like 55 seconds, just, you know, <laughs> showcasing the hands and the speed and the awareness. And um, he's a really strong player for me. This group kind of shook out as a top five in 
in that top tier. And I honestly could have, I could have rolled him any which way I had, I had Beniers as high as two for a long time as well. Um, he ended up five just, just because I, I like a couple of these other guys upside a little bit more, but I, another player who with power has got the highest floor in the class, Beniers probably has the second highest. He's going to be an excellent NHL or he reminds me a lot of Dylan Larkin and yeah, they both played at Michigan and, and American centers, but you know, he, it's, it's this one I think is fair. They got great speed. Um, yeah. I don't want to say limited upside for offense, but it's, it is a little bit, it doesn't have superstar upside with right. offense. And I think that's going to be okay. He's, he makes players around him better. He's, he can go and retrieve those pucks for those skilled you know players that he's going to end up playing with now a, a, a really good player and someone who I also hope goes back to college for another season and maybe ups that offensive uh, potential even more too by, by having some reps in a league that he's, he's, you know, uh, you know, comfortable with. All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep up uh, with my picks here and fourth for the New Jersey devils. I'm going to go with William Eklund. And for me, it was when I was, when I was putting together my list for preparation for the show, I was really struggling with, with the two forwards I just mentioned in terms of trying to figure out which one I preferred more. I, I think I certainly feel much more comfortable in terms of projecting Veneers out at the NHL level. I think Eklund's ceiling is, is incredibly tantalizing. And if you can get him at fourth overall in this draft or, or even later, based on some of the mocks that I've seen, like it's, it's a no brainer. I would be running up to the podium. Um, it's like the, everything I've seen and read in terms of like his dual threat ability as both a shooter and a, and a playmaker is, is going to be such a weapon to any team that has him. Like, well, what, what, what are the limitations in terms of why people st- still seem to be kind of divided or why he's not in that top three or four for everyone uh, as he, it seems like he should be. I'm going to um, defer to cam to start on this one. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I like him a lot. I, I agree that I think his upside is very, very high, probably the highest pure point potential of this group. Um, it's funny though, that, you know, some of the Swedish base scouts are lower on him than the rest of us. And that was a little bit of a red flag for me early on in the year, you know, his, his, his coach kind of threw him under the bus there in that one interview saying that he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not first overall material. And it's like, Oh, good hype job there, buddy. Um, but you know, I think that he plays with terrific pace. He's not an electric skater. He's not Nick Ehlers, but he plays with just really great pace all the time. He has that great vision too. Like he hits a trailer with that soft touch uh, better than basically anybody in this class for my money. And that's maybe his best tool is that playmaking ability. You know, he played, he outplayed Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond this year as, you know, he's an O2 kid. So he's not a year younger than them, but you know, different birth year, different draft year. So outplaying those two guys is pretty damn impressive for me too. So I think he's, I think he's a, probably a pretty safe second line guy uh, with that first line upside. If he can add it, maybe a little bit more quickness to add some, some more meat to his shot. He's got the good hands, but he's got the great IQ and I love the pace that he plays with. And I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really nice player. Yeah. He was, uh, he was top 20, uh, I think historically for 18 year old seasons in the SHL in terms of goals, assists, points per game. So very yeah. impressive. Um, Chris, what were you going to say about Eklund? Yeah, I was just going to say I elite vision. Love that. I think that the, the big concern outside of, you know, I have him very high as well, but uh, I think the big concern, the, the size and the strength, you know, he's gotten injured a few times this season. Um, and, and you just wonder, you know, is he going to have the physical profile, you know, physiologically, uh, to, to not have that happen. I think you heard some of the same concerns about Elias Pedersen as well. So, um, but I, for me, you know, I think he is like Cam said, the vision is, is one of his standout traits. I I agree. I think it's the best in this class. Um, some of the plays that he made this year at the pro level as a young guy, 
um, were so far advanced and, and looked like NHL plays to me and guy that a guy that has NHL decision-making. So um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why he he's kind of had that uh, reputation, but um, yeah, get, getting hurt a few times at, at key moments of the season didn't exactly help him. It's just strange because it seems like everyone's complaining about how this class doesn't have supremely high end skill or, 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 or superstar <laughs> potential. And it's like, well, what about this guy? And then people are like, no, well, not him. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> Other than that. Um, all right. Well, Cam, this is lining up perfectly for you here with the uh, fifth overall pick for the Columbus blue jackets. Yeah, this is great too, because I, I did a mock draft, um, for lead prospects a couple of weeks ago. I'll do another one right before, before the draft too. But, uh, my guy's sitting there who I took at CBJ on that one too. So it's Mason McTavish. Um, so, you know, the kid, he ended up jumping up and being number two for North American skaters on central scouting. And, and once I saw that, I was like, oh no, my, I was supposed to be the one that was super high on him. And, and so guys, they jumped out in front of me, but, um, you know, a kid who plays, plays a heavy, heavy game, you know, six, one, six, two, already playing it close to two ten. Um, I, I wrote that deep dive on him just last week and I was getting some quotes from scouts and, you know, one of them sent me a, at the end of it, he said, and he can shoot it through a car door. And I was like, Oh, just that's lovely because he can, the kid has just a monster shot on him. Um, playing as a 16 year old for the Pete's, uh, in the OHL two years ago, he was, you know, I think he was second only to Shane Wright and goals and points for, for kids that weren't draft eligible or older. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Pierre-Luc Dubois or Anton Lundell, you know, these big power centers that can do a lot of good for you. I think he's going to develop into just an excellent defensive player in the NHL, like someone who's going to be a matchup nightmare who can also turn it around and move the puck in the right way. He can play the bumper on your top power play and pop into the slot like that. And the puck is in and off his stick in a, in a heartbeat. Um, physical you know when he was over there playing in the swiss league like i have a dozen clips of him just taking three hard strides and plastering pros against the glass um i i love his i love the way that he looks at the game uh, and, and assesses it and makes those quick decisions he has nice hands we saw that the u18 like he was making guys you know look silly out there with some of his his, his hands and his way to manipulate his body not an electric skater um, you know, more of a north south driver of play. So he's not going to be this, this someone who's going to probably be causing a bunch of highlights in the NHL, but he can, he has a good offensive upside. And I like this small area manipulation game, um, powerful stride that has improved greatly. I'd say over the last 18 months. And I love to see that in a player, especially one who's already physically mature, probably not going to be playing too much heavier than he is. If anything, he's probably going to add more lean muscle and lose a little bit of that, that kind of, you know, 17, 18 year old muscle that he has right now. Um, I think for Columbus, you know, building down the middle, especially what's happened there in recent years that he's uh, he's a pretty easy pick and, and the top center left on the board here after Berniers goes. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big Mason McTavish fan as well. I think that the skating is the one thing that had me keep him out of my top five personally, but at the same time, I think that all the things that Cam just said are, are accurate. And I actually, I had a, a guy that scouts for, you know, for a CHL team who was telling me, he's like, he's like, everybody's way too low on McTavish to start this. This is at the beginning of the season before anything. And he's like, I'm telling you, man, this kid's going to, you're, you're going to fall in love with him." And you know, really where he really popped for me was at that world under 18 championship. And just seeing the, the level he was, he, I, I voted him on the all-star team because I thought he was that important to team Canada. 
Um, and, and, you know, a big reason why they won a gold medal. He was great in matchups. And then he also shows this in, incredible playmaking ability is the great shot, you know, just the, the, the defensive capabilities and just a physical menace on the ice. So, uh, you know, I think that he's a guy that could go higher than, you know, I think cam is right in line with where the trend is in terms of where Mason McTavish is, is going for NHL teams. I think there's a really good chance. He does end up as a top five pick in this draft. Um, but I think that the one thing that the only concern I really have about him at all at this point is the skating. Yeah. The lack of sort of true explosion, um, is going to limit him a bit in terms of pushing the pace up the middle of the ice, but it seems like by all accounts, he's going to be a monster in probably both the offensive and defensive zones. And, um, you know, we, we focus so much on, and I'm going to talk more about a rush player here sometime soon down the road, but you know, the game's obviously so predicated on attacking off the rush and scoring in that way. But like, we just saw the Tampa Bay lightning, for example, I thought one of their most underrated attributes as a team in terms of both the way they play, but also clearly the, the way they wanted their players to play was uh, like the board work and, and winning all those battles and, and just retrieving an ungodly amount of, of, of loose pucks around the net and rebounds and everything like that. And so like, yeah, being, being able to skate fast is obviously very important, but also being able to reliably be good in both zones is, is also very important as well. And it seems like at least with, with McTavish, he's certainly an imperfect player, but it seems like there's a lot of upside, especially if he can improve that skating to the point where it's even above average. For sure. Um, all right, Chris. Well, you're on the clock now. You've got back-to-back picks here. You're picking sixth for Detroit and seventh for San Jose. Yeah. So I don't know if Detroit would do this, but since he is the best player available on my personal board, uh, I got to go with Luke Hughes. And uh, you know, I'm obviously a big Luke Hughes fan. Have been for a while. Um, and I, I think that you know, especially with Moritz Sider uh, coming down the pipeline, the right shot defenseman. Why not add? Uh, an elite left shot defenseman and Luke Hughes. I think that the skating ability, you know, I know there's concerns about his injury, but he's been skating for the last five weeks. He had, you know, a tendon injury, a laceration. And um, by all accounts, it sounds like things are looking really well. Uh, he's ahead of schedule from, from his recovery and there's full expectation. He'll be pretty close to hundred um, percent, you know, in the next week or so here so that he can play in the uh, world junior summer showcase you know, obviously you see some of the similarities to Quinn. He's in terms of, you know, his edge work, his ability to open up his hips and, and his deceptive skating, great on puck retrievals, really strong in, in moving the puck up the ice, has some offensive creativity, not quite as dynamic with the hand skills, um, but he does have uh, some of those elements. You know, defensively, he should be, you know, he, there's still work to be done there. I think that he needs to be a more consistent defender, a little more aggressive defender. And as he gets stronger, because he's still a pretty lean, you know, he's six foot two. So he's a lot taller than Quinn and Jack, but he's, you know, he's, he's got to get a little bit stronger as he tacks on muscle. I think he'll become a better defender, have a little more two-way capability. Um, not just a pure offensive defenseman though. I think that he spots passing lanes extremely well in the offensive zone. Um, really good on the power play gives you a lot of confidence in everything that he does. Uh, I think that what I, what really stood out to me is it, at the world under 18s was how different that U S team looked without him, um, not having him and a guy like Sean Barron's who, who can move pucks as, as easily as they, as they do. Um, only having one of those two guys available for the championship uh, really impacted the way that that team was able to play. So I, I just think that Luke Hughes, while, uh, you know, the, I guess the other thing that I would say about Luke Hughes, is I think he has among the most potential of anybody in this draft, the highest ceiling, um, just because of the fact he's so young, 
He's born just days shy of the cutoff. And then also where he's at now compared to where his brothers were and where I see him going just based on the work that he's putting in personally. Um, I think that that's going to be a, a huge factor in his success. And I think if you're the Red Wings, you're going to be ex- happy to have a blue line that has both Luke Hughes and Moritz Sider on it. You got a pretty dynamic and physical and all sorts of other things, uh, you know, potential top pairing for years to come. Finally, the Red Wings draft a Hughes. Missed the, missed the right. first time, but at least they exactly. get the second one. Um, Cam, Got him. how do you feel about that one? Yeah, I couldn't believe that Detroit fully told Quinn that they weren't going to take him, even if he was there at six that year. You're like, what? He plays in your backyard. You, you yeah. know, they blew that one. So I actually, I, I think Chris is, um, you know, you were saying that he's the highest guy on your board. You're not sure if Detroit would do it, but you know, it does seem like a decent fit, as you said, with Mo Sider mm-hmm. coming up on the right side there, and he plays that just, I love Mo Sider, but that physical brand who's going to probably be a little more stay at home um, in the NHL, not a quote unquote stay at home, but, but have that responsible nature where Luke is more of a freewheeler. Um, I don't think he has nearly the elusive shifty edge work that Quinn does. I think he's an excellent skater though, regardless of that North South is a long fluid stride that can really get him up the ice in a hurry. Um, I do question his, his awareness on the ice, which is why he's more the tail end of my top 10. Um, but you know, part of that could be attributed to being so very young in this crop. I, you know, he's a full year younger than Owen power. Um, so you know, he's going to have an opportunity to get more reps and try to figure that out too. Um, I, I find that he can skate himself into trouble a little bit when he goes on the rush and, and he can miss some better passing options. Um, but at the same time, he can also make a quick play and then sift in a backhand sauce into the slot area for an A1. And, you know, I have a lot of clips of those type of plays too. So I think, like you said, the upside is quite high with him. Um, I think that he's probably another player who's going to end up as your, as your second pairing guy in a, probably a safe prediction. And, and if things break right and if he, he can come along and add some more offense and some more creativity and, and some shiftiness that maybe he does end up being a, a really nice pairing for Mo Sider on, on a top pair for the Red Wings for a lot of years. So I don't think that's a bad pick there. He's right in that next tier of guys for me, once we're getting into the six to 10, six to 11 range. So yeah, Luke Hughes, you know, he's a Michigan kid. It, it, it makes sense for Detroit. I'm not too mad about it. Chris, uh, let's keep it going. Who do you have at seven? Well, I still, he's still on the board. So he's, he's this, this works well for me. Um, I've got Dylan Gunther uh, at, going at, uh, at number seven, just as a best player available situation. I think that, you know, one of the more dynamic players, I think the concern that I have about him is that, uh, you know, he, he is, he is more the finisher than the driver. And, and, you know, I, I'd like to see him handle the puck more, um, especially, you know, with team Canada, he was in a situation where it was like, Hey, you know, we've got Shane right here. He can, he can do that, you know, let him do that play driving, which is a good decision. Um, but, you know, also with, with Gunther, I just think that, you know, in terms of his skating, his shot, his passing ability, uh, the offensive skill set. If you're outside of Eklund, I think that that's a guy that, and and Kent Johnson is another one that's right in that same mix where I feel like those are two guys that I would, um, you know, feel really comfortable with as an offensive drive, uh, an offensive performer for my team. I think they have top six upside. Gunther also has good work ethic. I think he, he gets engaged physically. He doesn't always, you know, lay the big body check, but he gets, he gets battles for pucks and, and is able to make plays. He's got some good ability right in close to the net too. Uh, not afraid to get to those hard areas. And, and I thought, you know, the things that stood out to me was just the fact that he is so often, you know, the other guys are driving play and he's the one that's just kind of there to make the last pass, the last shot kind of thing. Um, you know, not always going to be necessarily the guy that brings pucks in, 
um, as much as some of the older players that were on the oil Kings this year. Um, but he obviously has a, a tremendous finishing ability as, as showcased by his production at both the WHL and world under 18s this season. So I, I like his ability to finish. I think that's a good, a good fit for him as any at really anywhere. If you want to have some offensive upside, I think every single mock draft I've seen has had Dylan Gunther at seventh overall. Not, not, not even because he's linked to the, to the Sharks. It just seems like people are like very comfortable with having him as a seventh <laughs> prospect in this class. Could be. Um, Cam, so I, obviously I think goal scorers are incredibly valuable. I think sometimes we even underrate them if possible because everyone is so focused now on, on having puck possession and, and doing all sorts of, you know, doing all the little stuff. But then especially come the postseason, you realize how valuable it is to have elite finishers who can put the puck in the net and, and finish off these these passing sequences, do you think that Gunther's um, shot is good enough that he's going to be able to step right in? No, no, not obviously next year, but just down the road and, and beat goalies cleanly with it. And, and do you think um, that's enough to, to have him this high in the draft? I do. Yeah. So we talk about NHL goals. This kid scores, scores a lot of NHL style goals than junior. So, you know, he, he can release it off his outside foot in flight, like some of the best finishers in the world do. And, and so that is something that you can look at and be like, Ooh, what's he going to do in five years when he can already do this right now. So, um, you know, he's got the, he's got the two touch, he's got the wrist for, um, I, I, I like his one timer on the power play too, you know, uh, mm-hmm. his inside game, he can get into that bumper spot. He can drive the net. He can look for rebounds and battles in the, the D in front of the net. So he can score in a myriad of ways. He's not just an outside finisher. Um, you know, a couple of the things that I'm looking at that I, I want to see improve and something that he did better as a 16 year old um, than he did this year was, you know, some of the playmaking through the neutral zone, mm, yeah. um, adding a little more East West to his game um, so that he can, you know, work that give and go and get himself into a situation where he can get it back and finish it because he's, he doesn't have that solo creation skills where he's not going to be able to waltz a couple guys and get his own space. Probably in the NHL He's going to be a little more reliant on getting the puck and moving it and then getting open and finding that quiet area to, to finish it off himself or get it in flight with a little bit of space and get it off in a hurry so um you know as far as goal scoring upside i think it's the highest in the class um he, he definitely has 30 goal upside um, if he ends up being on on a top power play unit that's only going to bolster that too and, and so no i i think he's i think this is right perfect spot for him i've got him six and you know if if he goes three or four that wouldn't surprise me either because like we said you know goals are a premium and, and you pay for it too and so a, a team really might fall in love with how he can finish and i think he's going to be a high conversion type guy the, the next level too and, and you know again it's i don't think the i don't think the floor is like a quad a guy that if he can't put it together he can't be in the show that you know he he, he has enough to his game that he could adapt probably and become more of a tertiary scorer for you and still help out in other ways too so i i like him a lot i you know he probably was who i was going to take for la next if he was still sitting there so makes a little harder on me now okay well let's get right to it you got la here at eighth it's your pick what are you gonna do which means i gotta have fun right if if the guy i was gonna take isn't there anymore then then we got to get weird so you know seattle my first pick there they had a few holes in their organization in the pipeline la (laughs) has virtually no holes in their in their pipeline coming up they are just a sleeping giant so what do you do with a sleeping giant you give them a number one goaltender so let's go with jesper volstad here to la you know, they took Lucas Perry, um, I think it was two years ago. Um, he's there, probably their top goaltending prospect right now, a six foot four kid who was playing for Dubuque this last season. Um, but, you know, going with going with the goalie here, he's also the highest on my board. Um, I think he has the highest 
superstar upside. I think that he could be the one guy that, you know, ends up being a true star from this class. Um, he's been on the radar forever. He's an O2 kid. So he's a little bit older, but you know, he's out dueled, uh, Askarov in international tournaments. He played terrific in the SHL this year. Yes. He was playing on a good team, but so you don't put up a nine twenty as an 18 year old in the Swedish hockey league without having a lot of skills. Um, I trust goaltender people. I don't, I don't claim to be a, a whisperer in that regard, but there are some things that I look for when I'm scout goaltenders and, and at the top of the list outside of obviously having good positional uh, ability and having some athleticism is that unflappable nature is, can you recover after a bad goal? Um, a tough goal. Um, you know, do you, even if you don't let another quick one in, do you look a little shaky? Are you making mistakes? You're not looking as calm or confident. And he has that unflappable nature. He has that starter feel to me um, at six foot four, um, has the pedigree. It's not like Askarov that he relies on to an extreme degree. Sound and I think that that could help him long term too. Is that that's going to be that's going to be beneficial? Is that he won't need to clean up some of those things? He doesn't have to make a dramatic second, third, fourth save all the time because he is in a good spot and he's sucking up those rebounds. So for LA, you know, he's a goaltender of the future. They got Cal Peterson right now who can who can kind of backstop him. But you know, this kid's good enough. I think he could step in and be an NHL backup in two seasons and be pushing for for regular starts. Chris, um, how do you feel about Wallstead? How would you compare him? I remember last year when we were doing this mock, I, I, I think I wound up pulling the trigger on Askarov at like 10th or 11th. And, and it was pretty <laughs> similar to where he went in the yeah. actual draft, but it was always, it was, we've been so conditioned to, to stay away from making those decisions because of the value perspective and the uncertainty with the position and all that. But is Wallstead good enough of a prospect in, in your mind to justify being a top 10 pick here, acknowledging that it is a pretty weak draft. And also, wow. How do you feel about the gap between him and uh and sebastian Kosa or, or any other goalie prospects in this class yeah yeah so i think it, i think it's a good pick for for la especially as a team that has so many things everywhere else i think that that makes a ton of sense to me um it, it also gives them the chance for the biggest splash potential getting that number one goalie because i think you're you know at this range you're starting to look is it second pairing defenseman middle six forwards you know like that's that's where you're even in this draft that's what you're starting to view as, as some of these guys but in terms of how he ranks um, compared to Kosa in particular, I think they're pretty close. Like they're really close on my boards. Um, I I think that Kosa's end of the season performance, just all the, his whole season run in the WHL, even though you do have to take the numbers with a slight grain of salt, just because of the quality of competition and also the, the way that the, the WHL season was set up and, and how it was compact. Um, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there that really like Kosa's, physical package because of the six foot six frame, the quickness. I mean, he's one of the fastest big goalies that I've seen. And I, and we'll probably, I'm, we'll talk about him later when he gets picked. Cause I think he'll go in the first round. Uh, but I think for Wallstead, what I, what I value so much is that hockey senses, his, his pre-shot movements, his ability to set up, um, you know, I think that some, he, he doesn't have the explosiveness of an Askarov. He doesn't have the, the quite, uh, you know, the, I don't think he's as technically sound as say a Spencer Knight is, but at the same time, he's got kind of, he's somewhere in between both in those very key things of the athleticism and explosiveness and the hockey sense and technique that he has. Um, you know, I, I think that he's one of those guys that, that is, is pretty special, uh, in the goaltending department. I think we've got a couple in this draft class, but I, I think that's a fine pick there, uh, especially for the Kings. And, and as much as I like Cal Peterson and think he'll be a good NHL goaltender, um, there's a chance that you could have a, a real star here with Wallstead. I like it. All right. Well, uh, I'm here on the clock for the Canucks at ninth, And, uh, you know what? I'm going to, 
I'm going to pull the trigger here on, on, I think my favorite prospect in this class, not the one I think is the best, but Fabian Liesel to me, um, I just, I, I can't get enough of his game. I understand, uh, this might be a bit of a reach and I understand the concerns, but I just watch sort of the pace he plays at the motor he plays with, um, the fact that he actually uses it defensively as well. So it's not purely just a, a one trick pony. He's just all over the ice. I think it's a very translatable skill set. And we've seen players like that succeed and provide immense value at the NHL. Uh, I think his ability to attack off the rush and manipulate uh, opposing defenders feet is, is remarkable. And that's such a valuable skill in today's game. And so um, I, I just, I have to pull the trigger on here because I think he's, he presents the, the highest upside at this point for me in terms of like, I believe that this guy could really step into an NHL lineup and make a massive difference right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, I'm lower on him than that. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, for Vancouver there at nine, they do need speed. Uh, they need a whole lot of everything to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm glad I thought you were going to go KJ Kent Johnson for your favorite prospect in this. Class. I, I don't love, I don't love Ken Johnson. No, you usually love the guys with the slick hands and all that fun stuff too. I'm, 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 I've got enough concerns about his ability to, uh, to pull off those plays against NHL level competition that I understand the upside. And I, I think he's going to provide us with some great gifts. Um, yeah. but I'm, uh, I'm a little bit more concerned than, uh, than the optimists of his game are. Yeah. Well, when it comes to Lysel, he, he, you know, he's, he's a great skater. He, the Jersey is always flapping, um, plays with really great pace. I wish he would actually change up the gears a little bit yeah. more to create some separation, you know, use that, uh, driving into the dotted line, getting into the middle of the ice is still very much a work in progress at his size. He's going to have to force the issue to get in there. Um, I think he needs to be better at recognizing some passing options. Um, he can get a little tunnel vision on those rushes. Um, but you know, with that speed, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for him, especially if he can work hard and become like a really strong defensive player too, because you know, guys that have that great speed, they have the opportunity to be great penalty killers too, if they can be smart and they can work hard. So, um, you know, I talk about a kid like, uh, Nick Ehlers who transition can cause fits against teams, you know, Lizelle could have that similar upside through the neutral zone, um, with the great speed. So I think he needs to add some more creativity to his game. He needs to add some more gear changes. He needs to look for more passing options, but there is the raw tools there. Um, that he could have some, some nice top six upside. I feel like we, we've seen good skaters who work hard, figure that stuff out. Sometimes it takes them a couple of years. Like I, I think Kevin Fiala is obviously a great example. Like I remember when he came into the league, it was just literally going top gear all the time. And I was like, sometimes you can tone it down a bit and then you can get into the inside a bit more because the opponents are much more off balance than if they know you're just going to go full bore. So I think, uh, I'm optimistic that he'll be able to figure that out. I just think the, the two way, um, the two-way value in terms of if he can put that all together is immense. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about the player? I, I like him a lot too. I, I, I think, you know, I don't like him as much as, as necessarily passing over some other guys um, in this slot, but at the same time, uh, he's so unique to the class, right? I mean, there aren't many guys that play the way that he plays. There aren't many guys that skate the way that he skates, certainly not those left um, at this stage. I think that there's a lot of upside in what he brings and that uniqueness is what's intriguing. Um, I think that there is a good chance, however, that Lissell is going to end up dropping on draft day, uh, just based on what I'm hearing. Um, I feel like there is some doubt about his overall, uh, you know, just kind of competitiveness is his, uh, his, uh, you know, I hear the word soft a lot. Um, 
So that I personally, it doesn't bother me as much, but that's just what I've been hearing. Um, and so I think he's one of those guys that I feel like will drop on draft day, but end up coming through and, and being a guy that, that, you know, I, I feel he has the upside to be an NHL player and, and agree with a lot of the things that Cam said in terms of things that he needs to improve on. But man, I, I, I think he's just so unique to this class. So I have no problem with the pick. It's just, I, I know that I think NHL teams are, are have soured on him more than, than I expected them to. Yeah. We're going to come to draft day. And then all of a sudden we're going to look up and the Carolina hurricane somehow got him, and, uh, and he's going to wind up being a great player and I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah. uh, no issue there. Um, let's take one more quick break and then we're going to round out the rest of this top 15. All right. We're, we're, uh, we're finishing up the top 10 here. I'm picking for the Ottawa Senators at 10. I, uh, I need your guys input. So I've, I'm, I'm between three names here. Uh, Kent Johnson is not one of them. Uh, I, I'll, let, I'll let you pick Kent Johnson, Cam. How about that? Um, I, I really am very intrigued by Fedor Svechkov. I, my concerns about him are how projectable, because um, everyone seems to think either him or Beniers are, are the best defensive forwards in this class. Uh, especially in terms of pure defensive ability. I, I, how projectable that is when you make the talent jump in terms of quality of competition from the VHL and MHL to the KHL to the NHL, what that's going to look like. And then what kind of premium you pay for that skill set? where if he doesn't develop the offensive side of the game, um, do you really want to be spending a top pick on a one dimensional player like that? Because we know in, in today's game, everyone always talks about, Oh, like, we want, we want to be good defensively. Like come the postseason, you need to be good defensively. But then at the end of the day, you look and, and the people who wind up getting paid and you need to pay a premium for are the people who put the puck in the net. So I'm not sure if, if justifying a top 10 pick on a player with his current skill set is enough, but I'm interested enough. And, and I think the other players involved are, are flawed enough that I'm really uh, leaning towards taking them here at number 10. Do it. I dare you. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Cam, what do you think about that? I'm not mad about it at all. I've been, I've been, uh, you know, one of the highest on such for a long time. You know, I, I, I think I, he ended up 11 on my board. Yeah. I had him as high as nine at one point. Um, I thought that he really showcased the offensive upside at the U 18s. Um, he always mm-hmm. had that small area ice manipulation, you, you know, even at the VHL level, but in the, in the M like he, he, some, one of these guys that you can't touch when he's standing still in the, on the blue line for some reason. So he's, he's got the hands. I think he has the awareness when he plays with high end offensive players that he has the ability to, to make those quick plays and get them pucks um, into high danger spots. So I like that stretch off a lot. And, and like you said, he's a top defensive forward, probably pure defensive matchup center type of guy. So if the offense doesn't come, you know, you're still getting a, probably a pretty, pretty solid NHL player. Um, you know, I was listening to a former player talk about, you know, you, you pay a premium for these defensive guys, but you only do it if you're the best, right? Yeah. Like you're ready to make a serious cup run. Otherwise, you don't pay for that type of talent. So um, for the Sens, you know, I think they have a lot of talent coming up and, and already on their roster right now, as is a lot of offensive guys. Um, so he would probably fit in really nicely at that group there at, at number 10. And I think that that's, that's a totally fine spot for him. I know that some lists have him closer to 30, but I, I think they're sleeping on him. I like it. I feel a lot better about it now. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I like him too. He's, he's in my top 15 um, and was able to see the offensive game that he does have. I think his vision is outstanding and that comes with the hockey sense and why he's so good defensively. He's just got 
uh, great awareness and, and he's a competitor. He gets after it. He is not afraid to get in there. He's got good physical strength. And you know, I, I think we'll see him play some KHL games next season. And, and that'll give us a real good indication of how he handles himself physically against uh, top professionals. So, I mean, I have no problem with it. It's not the pick that I would personally make, but it's also one that I think is well-reasoned. All right. Well, Cam, you're up at here at 11 for the Chicago Blackhawks. Just, just get it over. Just take Ken Johnson. You know, I, I pretty much have to, cause I'm going to, I, I really kick on the, uh, the best player available and he's eight on my board and we're picking yep. at 11. So I guess I'll, I'll go KJ here, but I am tempted to go Cole Sillinger, but I'll, I'll go Kent Johnson. Um, you know, we've talked about it. He's got the highest pure puck skills, slick, smooth play creator in the draft. Um, you know, I loved him with trail in the BC a couple of years ago. It just, a, like a, a fan favorite, just someone you can really root for and, and, you know, makes those great clips to put on Twitter. Um, I did not expect his games to translate so quickly and so efficiently to the NCAA level. Um, Oh, two kids. Sure. But you know, as an 18 year old freshman, like usually you don't even get the opportunities that he got. So it's hard to really kind of assess him versus uh, some other players that will play as an 18 year old in their draft year in the, in the NCAA, but, you know, playing on a team with Brisson and with Bordalo and with Baneers and power. And, you know, they just, that, that Michigan team, they just get, you know, through all their young kids in and said, go make some stuff happen. And, you know, he made some stuff happen. Like playing at a point of game player as a freshman in your draft eligible season is nothing to sneeze at those, that type of production screams top 10 prospect, even, you know, in a, in a, especially in a weaker draft, but even in a good draft. So, um, you know, the issue with him is getting to the inside um, at his stature is, is he physically going to be capable to force his way in there? Is he going to end up, you know, Mason Raymond, like where you, you you know, he skates around the perimeter all day. Um, you know, I know Craig Button has compared his game to Elias Pettersson. I compare it more to a Sven Berchi, who was a tremendous junior player and had all the top six upside in the world. It didn't necessarily break right for him in his career, but I don't think that necessarily means that Ken Johnson can't turn into a really productive top six winger. I, he's not a center as far as I'm concerned, but, um, you know, here we're, we're picking for the forfeited Coyotes pick. So it's actually Chicago. Um, they need more. They need more skill in their system too, right? They went with Lucas Reichel, who plays a hard kind of grittier game in the first round last year. Um, now they're taking a kid who's got that kind of sublime playmaking skills too. So uh, I think it's a fine pick for them at 11 here. What do you think, Chris? Are you, are you worried at all? The two main concerns I've seen about him are um, his ability to, well, his, his skating ability and then also maybe overplaying the puck a little bit in terms of... Uh, you know, getting too cute or, or kind of getting himself into trouble by sometimes not making the easy play. Yeah, no, I, it doesn't bother me. I have him really high on my board. Um, I actually have him six on my board. I, oh, wow. I think that okay. his, uh, I think the upside is, is dramatic with him as he gets physically stronger. I do want to see him get inside more. Just as cam said, I also agree. He is not a center more than likely at the NHL level. Uh, what, I had Mel Pearson on my podcast, not all that long ago, uh, the head coach at Michigan talking about how much he improved defensively over the course of the season. And I thought he improved as the season went on in, in all facets. It's not necessarily something that I would highlight in his game. It's not something I say, Oh, this guy's going to be, but, but he's getting more, uh, he, he's rounding out his game more. And as he gets stronger, I think he's going to be tougher to play against, but there are a few guys in this draft that I would be more afraid of coming across the opposing blue line than Kent Johnson, because he has so many options available to him. He's in, and, and I think he's getting better at making those reads too. Um, playing off of Thomas Bordalo, playing off of other skill players. He really showed that he can, he can match skill with skill and, and improve guys around him. So I think ultimately there are just so few players that handle the puck the, the way that he does. I don't really, he can be guilty of overhandling it, but not to the degree where I think it would, it would sh make me shy away from picking him. 
right. Well, I, I have him 12 on my board, so I, I, I like him. It seems like you guys like him more, um, but that's great. This is why uh, this is why we're doing this podcast. Uh, Chris, you're up at 12 here for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, so this one's a little bit tougher because if I'm just going purely on best player available, and I think it makes sense for them too, but the best, the guy that I would have next on my list that's still available is Simon Edmondson. And I've been so up and down on him all season long. He's got a great physical profile um, in terms of the six foot five. He's got hands. He's got, uh, you know, decent mobility. He needs to get stronger. He needs to make some better decisions with the puck. I think his offensive capabilities are, are understated a little bit. Um, also did not love him at the world under 18s thought that that was uh, a poor showing for him, for a guy that expects to be a top 10 pick. Um, I have no problem with him going outside of the top 10 here. I know cam is not a, a huge fan on the hockey sense. And I think that that is absolutely a concern. Um, I do think that he's a very unformed raw player. And that is the thing that just, excites me about him and scares me about him at the same time. I think there is a lot that you can mold there. If the, but when you have that hockey sense of this as the potential deficiency, that is where I get concerned. But I, I think based on everything that I've seen from him, there is room to improve. He has a good foundation of skills in to, to, to play the position. It's something that I think, Calgary would be happy to have more of in their system. Um, they do have defensemen in their pipeline. They've had, you know, have a young guy like Valamaki, but I, I think that, you know, Edmondson could be a real interesting pick as they try to transition away from their, you know, essentially their older defense already starting with, with Brody being gone and, you know, I could, could potentially lose Giordano. Um, you know, there's going to be a need there eventually, but uh, that's the guy that just ends up, being the best player available. So I, I, I would strongly consider Chaz Lucius if I were them in this position. Um, but if I'm going to go best player available, Simon Edmondson is the guy for me on, on my board. Um, you will almost certainly go significantly higher than this actual draft, right? It's possible. I wouldn't say it's definite because I think that, I think that under 18 worlds was not a good last impression. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that, that's come obviously more recently than this list came out, but I believe at one point Bob McKenzie had him second on his board mm -hmm. of, of polling people. Yeah. know. And, yeah. and, and his mean, lists and are usually pretty accurate. The biggest reason I think is because of that, that rawness that teams just want to get their hands on a guy like that and mold him. It's not an easy job, but it's one that would be exciting for a team to take on because if you get him to hit his ceiling, well, then you got a pretty darn good defense when you got a guy that's going to play for you for a long time, but I understand the concern. So for me, the bet that I made on in making my list was that, you know, similar that there are things that he will be able to improve on as he gains more experience and he just gets more reps against elite players and playing professionally more. That's where I feel like he could potentially take the steps necessary to be in a, a high end defenseman in the NHL. Well, Cam, it's, from everything I've sort of seen and read, um, there's a lot of the cop prevailing theme is worries about his hockey sense and kind of awareness. But usually when you hear that about a defenseman, it's because they're kind of clueless in their own zone. But for him, it seems like he like makes a lot of mistakes with the puck, but he's generally pretty solid in his own zone in terms of like actual in zone defensive play. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad anyways. And he, he held his own in the SHL level, which is, is nothing to sneeze at, uh, you know, at his age. Um, you know, I, I agree with Chris, like he is a un 
finished mold of clay, right? Like he's just this big six foot five, 205 pound kid who can skate very well. Um, he's unbridled his enthusiasm to rush the puck at every single opportunity um, to a detriment. But, you know, I would rather light a fire under somebody than, or, you know, cool somebody out than try to light a fire under them. Um, but I do have an issue with players uh, who fit a statistical profile, a physical profile, I should say, but lack that awareness. So, you know, he very much reminds me of Philip Broberg. Um, in the sense that when he goes on those rushes, he's trying to problem solve and he's not the greatest problem solver. He's not a pre-planner. He's just out there kind of freewheeling it. Um, I don't think he's going to be sitting there at 12. Um, I think that we could all guess what GM would love this type of player who's sitting inside the top 10 right now. Um, so I would be very surprised if he got past Vancouver at nine, unless, you know, someone jumped up on Volstad and then that meant that Mason McTavish or Brant Clark or someone who made a ton of sense for the Canucks pipeline was sitting there with Edvinson. Um, but if they're not, I very much expect that to be their guy. Um, you know, I had a scout text me that back in like November that you watched Jim Benning's going to love this kid and he might end up being right. You know, it, it could <laughs> yep. turn out to be a player because it, it just takes one. It just takes one team that falls in love with the potential there. Um, you, when you, when you have a defender that size and can skate that well, it's going to afford him a ton of opportunities to figure things out. But we've seen it time after time that it is very difficult to improve kind of holistic decision-making so you can get more reps you can get more experience and you can learn from your mistakes but you need to learn from your mistakes right that is the key to this is that you can if you keep making the same ones over and over again you're not gonna it's not gonna work out for you very well so i do have some time for him you know at this range of 12 absolutely i think he ended up 13 on my board i think that that's a uh, right around because of that potential there that there's probably some safer guys out there but you know like i said that size that skating ability he's got you know he's got pretty good defensive habits right now for his age um, I don't love him. Probably one of my least favorite guys in the top 15. And I think yeah. that's just because some people, especially public lists and, you know, Bob McKenzie's list too, um, have him really, really high. And so whenever that happens, I end up pushing back a little harder than I should. Maybe, um, I don't love lamb basting 18 year olds on Twitter, but, uh, but yeah, Edvinson fine at 12, but I, I think he'll be gone before that too. Yeah. He'll be gone before that. And, and no, it'll be great. I mean, they can actually take him and then Tyler Myers can take him under his wing and show him what not to do out there. And, uh, and it's a good combo. Perfect. So, I like it. Um, all right. 13, Chris, for the Philadelphia Flyers, you're up. Yeah. Yeah. Best player available again, going Chaz Lucius on this one. Um, I think Wait, best he player is, available or best name available. That's yeah. both, both. Yeah. And that this is, and if you can get both, you, you'll be happy. Not necessarily the kind of guy that I would normally expect the Philadelphia Flyers to take, but I do think that his, his high end scoring ability, one of the better releases and just the, you know, his ability to get inside, I think is really improved. Um, had a weird season this year where he was recovering from knee surgery, missed a lot of time, but he goes 13 goals in 13 games, playing primarily against the USHL, um, and, and really just did a you know showed that he still has really good hands, that ability to to get shots off quickly. Um, you know, I like the way that he gets to the middle of the ice, and I think that you know he competes. He's 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 been a kid that you know has had uh, a lot of good fortune in you know in his development and all these other things he's he's had a lot of coaching um a lot of skill development over the course of his life and and it shows i mean it just it just does he's he's a he's a very gifted player um with the puck on his stick and uh i think you know he is going to go to minnesota where he's going to play for bob motsko and they're going to say hey you know there are things that we need to work on here and they will help him round out into a more of a pro 
pro style player, but I think that that skill level, um, his scoring sense, his scoring ability, uh, those are things that you can't really develop too easily. So I think that those are the things that he already has that will help carry him and why I think he has such high upside. Cam, do you have any any uh, Chaz Lucius thoughts? Or if you want, you can just jump straight to your 14th overall pick for the Dallas Stars. I'll just say that I, I love the fact that Lucius has always been the number one threat, uh, you know, that opponents have to match up against. And yet he still finds a way to be open a few times in those pockets. And then the, he finishes it. So like I can watch a full game of his and just be like asleep being like, where's Chaz Lucius? And then bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden he's got two plus one. And it's just, he has that ability. He's probably going to be a high conversion finisher. I wish he played with more pace. If he did, he'd be, you know, a top five guy for me. So um, the fact that he missed a whole season and still came back and scored a goal game and looked pretty good doing it. I, I got a lot of time for Chaz Lucius for sure. Cool. Okay. So who do you have at 14? Who do I have at 14? Yeah. So I kind of want to have some fun with this pick, but um, I'm going to stick with the guy that I got top on my board too. So a a kid that's still sitting there in the top 10 for me is Cole Sillinger. Um, I like him a lot. You know, I went back and forth on Sillinger versus Lucius all season because they're kind of similar players, not really, but they're finishers. You know, Um, I think, uh, I think Sillinger has that snarl that you want to see with your skill players too, that he's got a mean streak. He can play physical Um, another one who can really rip it too. So he's, more of a probably an out high finisher compared to Lucius who can get into those pockets and, and finish um, the skating needs a little bit of work still, you know, like he's maybe NHL average at this point um, moving over coming from the WHL as a 16 year old where he was awesome, a dual threat offensive talent. I really like the way he used his teammates through the neutral zone and in the offensive end this year in the USHL. He lost that playmaking a little bit, but to be fair, he was the guy. He was basically the only one who was going to finish off play. So he was just saying, screw it. I'm just going to go do it myself. So I, I'm, I'm betting that he has that skill set still baked into his game that when he moves up and he's playing with better players, he comes back to the dub. Um, whatever happens here is that he's going to have that element to his game. And so um, I think that he's one of these guys that if for some reason the offense didn't translate, which I think it would, he could be a very tenacious, you know, disruptive third liner, um, but in a, in a better perfect world he's going to be in your top six and he's going to be contributing and for dallas you know they they probably need a, a touch of everything they took maverick bork in the first round last year you know thomas harley the year before that or should i say harley thomas um <laughs> and so you know i think grabbing a kid like him another one who plays the middle of the ice right now but i think probably is better suited on the wing um long term uh, and i think he can he can fit a nice little role for them on the right side it's a good pick i think the the, the statistical models love Solinger. Like every every projection system I've seen is very high on him. I, I had him higher on my list than than this, so this is a good value. Um, okay, I'll, I'll round it out at fifteen. Well, I, I'm kind of curious for your guys' take. I think the next guy on your board is Oscar Olison, right, Kim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Chris, I'm higher than many people on. Chris, who's the who's the highest player left on your board? The highest player left on my board is Sebastian Kosa. Okay. Oh, I'm not going to take a goalie. No, I'm not going to do thunder. that. Yeah, I know you're not going to do that. No. Who, who in their right mind would oh, me geez. apparently. Yeah. So, uh, what, what do you guys think about, uh, Logan Stanko up in here? That's who I wanted to have fun with on the last pick, but I had him way down at 17. So I thought it'd be, it'd be disruptive, but I love, yeah. I love Stanky. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what he played like six or seven games this year in the WHL. So uh, I, 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 I like what I see a lot in terms of the profile in terms of shot generation. And I think, it's very interesting. It, it's kind of a, a bit of a project, projection pick, but especially as you reach this point of the draft, like if you if you tell me that there's someone with that type of offensive upside left, and and we keep talking about how this draft doesn't have nearly enough of it, like I I, I think this is the range you get into where you can kind of take a home run swing on a player like that. 
I like it a lot. I, I had a, you know, I was talking to Reese Jessup. I was on his pod there yesterday and, you know, former Western league scout for the Florida Panthers for a lot of years. And his hot take is that, you know, he thinks Danko was better than Gunther. Um, and I was like, Oh damn, you know, I'm not ready to get that hot, but uh, you know, I've got him, I've got him top 20, 17 on my board. He's a finisher. He, you know, despite the size, you know, this kid's got dirt under his nails. He gets into those hard areas of the ice. He can work the corners too. It's going to be harder to do that at the NHL level at five foot eight, five foot nine or whatever he is, but terrific pace. I, you know, I wish he was a little more electric with that skating again, then he could really, really project him as that score. But, and the kid knows how to finish. Like you said, put up a ton of points this year in just a handful of games. I thought he was very good at the U 18s. Um, another one you just root for a player to root for with high upside when you're picking at 15 or whatever, especially in this crop. Yeah. I got all the time in the world for, for Stankoven in this range all right well yep, let's i agree let's uh let's round out the list then chris you can go first um sneaky favorite players that we haven't talked about that are still on the board player who could rise uh favorite player outside the first round or you think is going to go out the first round maybe a player you want to stay away from just give me throw me a couple names that you want to uh sure. you want to touch on here Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I'm really intrigued to see where Nikita Chibrikov ends up going. Um, really interesting player. Love the offensive skill that he has. Um, you know, there, there were, there were great moments and poor moments in the, in the under 18 worlds, far more great moments for him where he was just, you know, an all out competitor kind of took the game over against the U S and in, in the first game and, and disappeared in the gold medal game, unfortunately, which really, uh, uh, hurt Russia, but that's just one game of, and you look at the different things that he's done this year, scoring a goal for, for St. Petersburg and in a KHL game and, and, you know, getting some opportunities with the the national team and, and performing well, um, you know, guys that I like that are, that are later, that'll probably be picked outside of the first round. Um, one guy that I've, I've just really enjoyed watching this year, um, that's grown on me throughout the season and, and really continued to at the under 18s was a uh, Prohor Poltapov. So another Russian that I think he's got a, a high compete level on top of having a really great skill. I think, you know, he, he can make defenders miss. He was the top scoring U 18 in the, in the MHL this year as well. Um, the skating is probably the, the, one of the primary concerns. He's not a big guy either, uh, but he, he gets into it. He, he, he is not afraid to take a, take a hit to make a play. Um, just does a lot of things, little things well that I think, will allow him to reach the upper levels and, and potentially uh, outpace his draft slot. Um, so that's a guy that I, I, I like quite a bit. And then um, I'd say another one that's kind of in that mix of, of guys that are later that I like a lot that I think, you know, will provide value in that second round range is Matthew Nyes from, uh, from Tri-City in the USHL. I think he's got the power forward profile. Um, he, you know, I'd like to see him get a little snarlier, but he's got finish. He, he did not have a good start to the season. This was a guy who came into the year. I felt pretty strongly was going to be one of the top first round eligible potential guys, um, you know, in, in the USHL this year and not, not, not expecting to see the explosion from Matthew Coronado and, you know, knowing, obviously I had high hopes for Mackie Samuskevich as well after watching him quite a bit last season, but Nyes has been a guy that's really grown on me over the course of the season. Um, and you know, started high, went down, came back up. I thought that that was, that was really good um, for him. So those are guys that are kind of in the later, you know, I, I view him as probably, he'll probably go in the second round. I would imagine uh, based on what I'm hearing, there's a chance, the outside chance that he, a guy like him could end up in the first round if the right team is there. Um, but, you know, I think that that's, uh, th those are a couple of guys that I, I really enjoy uh, watching and, and will be very interested to see where they go because I really think it could be uh, anywhere at this point. Cam, give me a couple names. 
Okay. Um, some guys we haven't talked about. I was going to say Samuskevich, but we, you know you briefly mentioned him a little bit. So I've got a kid, uh, Zach Dean, playing in the QMJHL. Uh, some of the slickest mitts in the entire class. Like the kid's got handles for days, but he also has excellent skating posture and and his technique skating is really really good. Um, he competes. You know, he, he's dynamic with his with his pace. Um, you know, he's. He almost can't resist contact. Um, like he, he loves to initiate contact, which is sometimes it, it isn't great for him, especially at his size. And I think that that's something he's going to have to adjust to at the next level. But he's one of these guys that I have earmarked that the the production didn't really come this year, despite watching him and being like, look at all these chances, look at the skills, um, look at the effort level and the skating that I expect he's just going to blow up next season with monster point totals. Another kid who's he's, he's probably going to be there in, on the second round, maybe, or the tail end of the first. And we're going to look back and be like, what was he doing there at 30? So I've got him in my top 20. Big, big fan of his game. Um, you know, a couple other guys or another guy that I think uh, who I like more than than most. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about Olin Zellweger and, and I talk about him in a different podcast too. So young for this crop. Great, great skater. I think he's got a lot of upside. One of these guys, he's not going to be Sam Gerard, but, you know, when we look back at Gerard going in the second round, it's like, you know, take a swing on someone with upside. So he's very, very young. He's a week away from being in the next year's class. I uh, stole that top power play gig from Brant Clark at the U18s. Um, he's got, I've got a lot of time for him. Um, and and I'll, I'll mention one more guy here that I'm much higher than everybody else on, and that's Cole Jordan. Um, I was talking about how Zellweger is, is young for this crop. Jordan is very old for this crop, but he just screams like defensively responsible. Everyone's going to love playing with him and you're going to hate playing against him. Um, that's safe, safe kind of second pair guy on the right side too. So I got a lot of time for Cole Jordan. And you did say, who's a guy you're going to try to stay away from. And, you know, a couple of them, Scotty Morrow, uh, Chaika for me, these guys that have, you know, don't have great minds on the back end that have physical profiles that some people like, um, those are the type of guys I'm staying away from. I like it. Well, that was, that was funny. I, I, we, uh, that was pretty comprehensive. Hopefully people that are, uh, you know, like myself parachuting in after the postseason and getting ready for the draft, uh, are feeling a bit more prepared. I, I certainly do after chatting with you guys. So, um, I'll, I'll allow you you go first, Chris, plug some stuff. Where can people check you out? How can they support the work? What are you up to? What can they expect from you and do all that? And then Cam and I can talk about, uh, our contractual obligations to, to, to prospect <laughs> like that. As yeah. Well. I feel, I feel like an infiltrator here. Um, no, I really, I really appreciate the time coming on. It's a pleasure to do this again. Great to talk with Cam as well. And, uh, and of course, D- Dimitri, you as well, just uh, a lot of fun, but, uh, to get my work, it's all at, at, at hockeysense.substack.com. You can also, you, find it via chrispetershockey.com. Um, and so that's where all of my written content is all my draft rankings, mock drafts. There will be a ton of draft day coverage. Some of it will be uh, behind the paywall and some of it won't be. Um, so, you know, if you want to check it out, you can sign up for the uh, free email as well. And that will give you some more information on, on the coverage that's coming up for the draft. Uh, a lot of post-draft content. I'll also be immediately heading. I'll actually be covering the draft from Plymouth, Michigan, because I'm going to the, uh, World Junior Summer Showcase, uh, and I'll be there for the duration of of that event, um, doing some broadcast work for Hockey TV. So I'm excited to do that as well. And yeah, hockey and talking hockey sense of the podcast available wherever you get podcasts, particularly the Hockey PDO cast and and, and other such uh, such uh, great great podcasts. But yeah, but I really appreciate the time coming on today, and uh, it, it's it's always a pleasure talking hockey and exciting time of the year, and and great to be chatting with you guys. Well, this was a blast, Chris. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. Love your work. So this was this was a, a lot of fun. Cam, let's let's get into it here. So we've got we've released a draft guide. 
which is, I think covers 107 prospects, 750 pages. I have it on good authority that people that haven't checked it out yet or haven't subscribed to EP ringside, if they use the promo code draft guide, they get three free months off of an annual subscription. You get my work, my random musings about NHL topics. You get cams fantasy coverage. You get cams draft coverage. You just released uh, a prop list of your own. Uh, we've got film room content there from, from people like, uh, like Mitch Brown and David St. Louis. So there's a lot of good stuff. I highly recommend whoever listens to this podcast and enjoys it goes, checks that out as well. But cam, uh, give us a bit more on sort of what went into the process of putting the draft guide together and kind of what you're working on these days. Oh man. Yeah. That draft guide is just a behemoth. So, you know, it, it, it comes with your subscription to EP ringside and to elite prospects. And so you get all the extra stats too on the website. If you're just a stat head like that too, and then you get tons and tons of content, you know, I obviously completely unbiased, but I think we've got one of the best groups in, in the business right now too, that they've, they've really invested in, in getting some quality, quality people. And on the prospect side of things, you know, uh, for that guide, we, we spent the entire season putting it together, right. You know, hundreds of game reports and, and thousand pages and stuff like that. But even if you're just more of a casual fan, it'll give you the snippets that you need, right. All of our quick little breakdowns. You don't need to get into the minutia of it. It'll provide everything you need for draft day, um, for who you want to get. And then you can check it out on who your team actually got to for me, you know, yeah, just dropped a, a rankings. I'll do another mock draft. I like to do, you know, draft week, uh, kind of a fun little five unpredictable things that could happen on, on draft weekend. Um, depends on when this podcast comes out, but there, there'll be a pretty fun announcement for what I'll be doing over draft weekend too. So you'll be hearing a lot, uh, a lot from me and, and, and Dim, maybe you and I can come and hang out actually, cause I'll be in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah. You can follow me hockey underscore Robinson. I'm stoked to Chris that you'll be doing some, some broadcast work there with hockey TV. I loved hearing you at the U 18s. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a fun, fun sprint to the finish here and then, and, and then free agency. And then, you know, maybe go, go dark for a minute and, and just have some fun summer fun with my family and uh, get off Twitter. Okay. Well guys, make sure to hydrate, make sure to enjoy the sun at least a little bit here before the draft. Uh, Take care of yourselves first and foremost. Looking forward to this draft and all the coverage that'll ensue after that. Uh, thanks for coming on to chat and uh, and we'll have you back on. I mean, hopefully before then, but absolutely for the 2022 mock draft next season. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Be Dimitri. The Hockey PDO cast with Dimitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO cast.